Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 462, being recorded on August the 9th, 2017. I'm Ryan Schro. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Ken Addison. I'm Sebastian Peake. Uh, it was much better, much better this time around. I'm not, well, show, I'm not sure it was. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we talk about computer hardware and whatnot here. This is a very special episode of the podcast. I want to get this out of the way so right special. now. This is going to be a bifurcated podcast. I don't think that's the right word. We're not splitting it in two. Well, is I mean, even a real we did. Word? We recorded part one, and now we're recording part two. In half. We just just because we're, you know, look up the debt. Look it up. Make sure I'm right. <laughs> um, so the Threadripper processor performance NDA, for us at least, is tomorrow morning, Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. So uh, we can't talk about the about the Threadripper processor here today on this podcast. Correct. With you guys live, right? But if you're watching this the next day, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you're watching this or you're listening to it on your, on your favorite Zoom podcast player, um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be able to talk about Threadripper. So what we did was we recorded our Threadripper discussion earlier off live. Sorry, everybody who's live. Uh, and we will cut that into the discussion as we go. So when you, when you feel that continuity shift where I no longer have beard and Ken had a beard on, right? All these changes are going to occur suddenly. And that's because we were recorded that session a little bit early. So Just like keep the, in mind for that. the things you find in the back of the highlights magazine where you have to find the differences. You should do that in the YouTube comments for all of the continuity errors. Right. Yes. Correct. Correct. Not draw yeah, and screen. in the one continuity area, I've got a shake weight and I'm using <laughs> it. So it's going to be really mm. obvious. Sure. Uh, so uh, we do record the show live, and most of the time we have all the content on it um, at pcper.com slash live, Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. That's If you're watching us live now, that's where you're at probably. Um, if you need a reminder, you want to be notified when we're doing these live streams, if you go to pcper.com slash subscribe, you get this page here. Looks like this page. Uh, it, it is actually this page. Give us your name and your email address, and we send you notifications when we're going to do live streams. Most of the time, it's for these podcasts, but sometimes it's for other events. Sometimes we host live streams with uh, AMD software groups, and we give away RX 580 video cards. Maybe that happened today. Maybe that happened literally like five hours ago or six hours ago or something like that. God, that was today still? Yeah, I know. So if you had been signed up for that mailing list, you would have known about that event so make sure you do that and then of course uh we have our patreon campaign going at patreon.com slash pc per this is where you have the opportunity if you wish to contribute to us on a monthly basis it's a recurring monthly payment it could be a dollar three five ten twenty whatever you want it to be uh, we appreciate each and every one of you that becomes a patron that stays a patron that increases patronage all that type of stuff is super awesome and it's definitely a, a big big help for us here as is always the case on the podcast, I will call out any new patron members and or anybody who increases their patronage during the live stream, and I will thank them. And now I will do so twice. Shroud it, uh, shroud it, shroud it out loud. Just pledged $5. So thank you very much to shroud it out loud. I appreciate that. That's there's, awesome. There's a joke somewhere in there. I just can't find it. I don't know what it is. Uh, and then <laughs> Ryzen Shroud just pledged four ninety nine. R-Y-Z-E-N, Ryzen, as in the processor, Shrout. I didn't have a kid named that that I know of, but there Will you, go. you name your next child Ryzen? Um, no. Why are you such an Intel <laughs> fanboy? Because yeah. it's definitely going to be Coffee Lake Shrout. Sorry, it's already, 
It's already been determined. <laughs> uh, so thank you to uh, Shrouded Out Loud and Rising Shroud, distant family members, uh, for their their contributions to our Patreon campaign. Um, oh, I don't know why that link didn't work, but uh, I will mention it anyway. We have um, – so we, we've been doing more videos, guys. If you go to our YouTube channel, which is very simply um, youtube.com slash PCPer, as I attempt to type that in. Yeah, we got one of those fancy vanity URLs because we're Before old. they got rid of them, yeah. So if you go there, uh, you can see, one, that we are actively streaming live. Oh, God, don't do streamception. That, that's, so that's good. Uh, and also, we have all these other videos that have been going up. One, uh, we did a PC Perspective Plays of Dark Forces, the 1995 first-person shooter, um, that I think was surprisingly good and surprisingly fun. And also, I'm doing mailbags. And apparently, I make those faces while I'm doing the mailbags. Yeah, we didn't want to tell well. you about it, but that just Hey, somebody else makes lot. a thumbnail, so whatever. It's not my problem. Not my problem. That's a very YouTube face, Ryan. Good job. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have any justification for it, to be perfectly honest with you. But if you're missing out on these things, stop missing out on these things uh, and um, watch them. You know, Ken and I, we played Dark Forces. Uh, yeah. We played the original 1995 version. Then we played this Dark XL version, which is like a new engine. Like a third-party engine that yeah. someone wrote that's compatible with yeah. a couple of games, actually. And it's, How come you never play with me? That's what I want to know. Uh, well, I'm just sitting here all by my lonesome. If in you look at this video, changing the subject nonchalantly, playing with myself. There are four copies of Dark Forces sitting on the desk in yeah. front of us, like a like actual boxed copies with the discs in them and everything. One of them had a sealed disc inside of them. Yeah, box look at that. sealed. Look how That's amazingly weird. awful that is. Oh my, that is uh, sprites. Sprites rock. Oh man. And then uh, yeah, there's Mon Mothma. Okay, and then ooh, look at that visual tearing. So this is the newer version, right? Yeah, the, it's funny because like the some of the stuff is very sharp and crisp in the new engine, and then you come up to those textures and stuff, and they're you know, like the doors and stuff. It's like no, 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 that's still awful, still, still real bad. It's like that right there. It's like two fifty six by two fifty six textures. Yeah, it was if a lot of fun not though. Lower, a lot of fun, worth checking out. You know, for uh, if you want to hang out with us for an hour, fifteen minutes, we talk about random crap as we do it as well. So that's always. That's always fun. Uh, and then today, I already mentioned it real quick, but if you missed it, you can check out the replay. We did a Radeon Software Group live stream where they came in. They talked about their newest software releases, talked a little bit about what they were planning for the future. They've got another big December release coming up. Um, we gave away some RX 580s. Sorry, they've already been given away, so you can't win them if you watch the replay. It's disappointing, I bet. Uh, but it's interesting to, to to talk to these guys, talk to the engineers, the marketing teams, the the product managers about what their plans are, what their ideas were, why they did certain things they did. They they you know they had a pretty compelling case about their system where you could vote for which features you like. Yeah, I honestly didn't know that existed until today. Yeah, that's a really cool thing. And so they talk about hey, like the two features that got added in this driver were the number one and the number two on that list over the last several months. So. Uh, good on them for doing that. Good on them for coming out and, and stopping by, updating us, keeping everybody abreast of what is going on. Hey, look, I'm wearing that same shirt right now. Shirtception. Should, and if I pulled this of, shirt off and I had another identical <laughs> shirt on underneath it, that would be Put worrisome. a note in the comment of every video that Ryan wears this shirt in in the next day, <laughs> we'll say. There will be a lot of them. And then our final note at the top of the list is uh, <clears throat> August 26th, we will be hosting our 16th virtual LAN party, uh, the Fragging Frogs group, which is our gaming group and our forums, 
host these. And uh, usually Jeremy talks these up, um, but he is MIA with us today. Uh, but Lenny helps organize these in the chat. These go from you know 10 a.m. until you know late into the a.m. that night. They play a bunch of games. You get on um, TeamSpeak servers. Uh, I don't know if they have a Discord or anything. So I'll have to look and see uh, see if they want to set something up. So they play a lot of different games. You know, you just basically have a lot of fun. It's it's a LAN party but virtualized so that uh, you don't have to be in the same room with Josh, which I think you know just ideal. Everybody really. appreciates that a little bit, you know. And I, I mean, like you've seen my office. Yeah, parts no. of it. <laughs> let's keep it at that. Part of it. Let's let's keep it at that. Uh, all right. So now we're going to get into the the meaty topics of the week, uh, and this is the point where we'll uh, people who are on the live stream will will be disappointed as we skip right past our discussing AMD Threadripper review. Yeah, and uh, move on to the next. Hold, Threadripper hold on, I have to get into position for the chair flip I do in the beginning. So, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. We'll, ready we'll here. Let's talk about Threadripper. We can talk about the reviews. We can talk about performance, not just like a little bit from Alienware and a little bit from AMD and a little bit from other videos and stuff that come out. We can actually talk about the full review. Uh, obviously, we mentioned this. We're recording this before the review goes up, hence why this giant unpublished um, watermark across all of the stories that we'll be showing you in the video version. Don't worry. As you hear this, it is actually published and live. So if you read so very that. closely, when we cut to the screen, you can see all the typos that we have to that's right yeah all the grammatical all, all the edits that haven't been yeah. haven't been fixed yet uh are still going to be in there <clears throat> so don't pay attention to those so let's talk about threadripper for a little bit um we know all about the specs we know about what the expectations are for it um i, I kind of opened up my review by discussing who this processor should be for um and and i think to to kind of unbury the lead a little bit this is not a processor for enthusiast gamers that want the best possible gaming performance yeah this is a processor for people who are content creators who are um have some specific workload whether it be rendering or ray tracing or software development or you know analytics or something like that that uses highly threaded applications uh that can then wants to do that very fast and then also wants to do other things like game, right? So I think I put in the story like this is content creation first, gaming second. If you're doing gaming first, content creation second, you may make a different decision on on your processor, on your processor choice. Uh, we've already talked about installation methods for this stuff. It's, 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 look at that. It is a massive, massive processor. It actually doesn't even really put it to scale. Yeah, you can't tell them that. How much does it weigh? Um, uh, actually Alex weighed this at one point when we first got them in. Do you happen to remember it was, it was a little bit over a third pound. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like heavy. a hamburger patty. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go to Wendy's and order me a thread ripper. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's, it's an impressive part. We, like I said, we've walked through the specs. We know 16 core, 12 core up to four gigahertz, uh, 9.99 price tag, 7.99 price tag. The, the important stuff here is a couple of things. One is, as I kind of, as we'll talk about on this, on this next page, when we look at the architecture of this, there's four physical pieces of silicon under the heat spreader, two of which are active dyes and two of which are dead, like non, like transistorless. What are you doing over there? Transistorless. I'm struggling with packaging. Dyes, oh, just, um, just for stability sake of the heat spreader. Now, when you start to cross these physical dye, you have a new complication of uh, memory interface. More or less, Threadripper acts like a two-socket system 
in a single socket. In, in many ways, actually. The way that the, the dyes are distributed, the interface between them, the latency between them, all is very similar to what we see with multi-socket kind of like Intel Xeon servers and workstations. Um, <clears throat> this means that AMD, in their, in their desire and will to create a very customizable part, uh, something that, that, that works really well for highly threaded apps like ray tracing and, and rendering, but they also want to make it as good as they possibly can for gaming, for those people that want sure. to use it for gaming. Um, they've integrated the ability to switch between two different memory modes, local and distributed, or as the rest of the world would call them, NUMA and Yuma, kind of, whatever. We don't get into the semantics necessarily of it. The idea is you can change the memory mode of the platform to better suit the workloads you're using. So stuff that requires that is super sensitive to memory latency will do better in the local mode where it tries to keep data and accesses to that data and threads that access that data on one NUMA node, one block of processors, which in this case is going to be so one you're, die. So you're saying maximize locality of data. Correct. Correct. Yes. Through hence to the operating system and through creating, you know, Windows, when you're in this mode, Windows sees two NUMA nodes that it can address, right? The um, for, for applications that want more memory bandwidth or they want a wider interface for memory, the distributed slash Yuma mode is in play where uh, memory accesses spread across all four memory channels instead of kind of trying to focus on two of those memory channels. Um, and, and any workloads that don't require you know, significant cross-thread communication or memory access can, can perform better in that light. Um, now, they, they've, uh, they've enabled you to access these options through their Ryzen Master software, mm-hmm. which is their like, overclocking slash monitoring tool, uh, which they released with Ryzen 7, 3, and 5, or 7, 5, and 3, I guess I should say. <laughs> um, but... I never really used it, right? I'm very, I'm, I am very used to overclocking in the BIOS and going into the settings and uh, those types uh, of things. I think using it with Threadripper versus using it with the Ryzen Seven that came out, the application has gotten a lot more more mature. Is it okay. to work a whole lot better now than it did? Gotcha. Fast. Gotcha. Which is nice. Um, the th- what they've done is is as I click through here and close my restart warning message. Uh, They've added in a couple of settings. So under additional control, which is very descriptive, um, you can turn on SMT or turn it off there. You have memory access mode distributed or local that we've talked about. So you can mm-hmm. you can swip, swap that switch, but you do have to reboot between uh, switches of, between changing that mode, right? And then they also have um, uh, legacy compatibility mode, which we'll, which we'll talk about as well. So you can a- access these from the software in addition to some of the other overclocking stuff that, that we've seen in the past. Um, but you still have to you have to reboot to do it. So which which begs the 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 question, right? Which mode is better? Which mode should you be running in? Um, and in our testing, we tested our entire suite of benchmarks uh, on the 1950x in Yuma and Numa at 2400 megahertz memory and 3200 megahertz memory in both of those modes, and basically came to the conclusion that with only a couple of exceptions, Yuma was the best option. Gaming being one of those exceptions, but even then the differences were were minimal. Um, the we're kind of famous for these uh, <laughs> thread to thread ping times between cores now, 
And if you'll notice, this is one of the Threadripper 1950X. It's uh, getting more complex. It looks a little bit more like a tree from Game of Thrones than it used to, as opposed to uh, uh, something a little bit easier to read. And there's 32 different lines here, so I don't expect anybody to understand the every line and what it means, what the intricacies what about are. The general pattern. The general pattern is what you care about, right? These bottom points are um, the memory access time for threads that share physical cores. You know, this top line, uh, this about at around 45 nanoseconds, is for uh, threads that share the same CCX, right? The same core complex. Mm-hmm. This line up here is for threads that share the same physical die, but do not share the same CCX. So cross CCX, and that's basically if you look at a Ryzen seven processor, you're looking at this segment right here that I'm kind of circling. For people who are watching the video version. And then once you start to cross the physical die, you get this jump up here to around the 250 nanosecond mark. Oh, so, the glue latency. The glue latency. Yeah. Correct. Right. As, As Intel, Intel would, like would say it, it yeah. this is what the glue does, <laughs> is, it, is it crosses there. Now, this is at 2400 where you know we're up to 250 nanosecond latency. If you run that memory at 3200, you actually drop it down to close to, you know, by, by 20% or so down to 200 nanoseconds. So there is a significant delta there. But there is also a significant addition of of latency because of this non-single monolithic die implementation of stuff right so so worth noting and also worth noting like this is an intel xeon e52680 which is ivy bridge e and this is two sockets so there's there's differences here but the similarity of the of this graph and this graph is this huge jump up right where they're they're kind of averaging somewhere in the 240 nanosecond range across that but that is for these cores and threads to access memory on this side. So it is a very similar to a multi-socket system when it comes to actual latency uh, metrics as well. And, so, and a multi-socket system like that like that, can only run in NUMA mode. There's no option correct. for unified memory. This is sort of a new thing that we're seeing from AMD with this launches. Yeah, The idea of having essentially two processors accessible by one unified pool of memory. Yeah. Josh, I'm curious. I mean, feel free to jump in if you have any thoughts on the memory stuff or like I brought up this this screenshot of the X399 platform. If you think this is like mm-hmm. a significant shift for AMD to be able to offer like high end motherboards and solutions that they weren't able to really do before. Well, I think the the fascinating thing and probably the strongest part of this entire launch are going to be the prices that you get and the amount of threads. That you're going to have to, uh, you're going to be able to, um, you know, essentially buy and leverage. Because, um, say for instance, something that I have actually built uh, in the past, we've got a bunch of statisticians in our office, and they can't do a lot of heavy duty R work on their laptops. Right. And so we made the servers that we called the Sonic servers, after Sonic the Hedgehog, because he runs really, really fast and gets rings and stuff. Fast. But I get it. Yeah. Nice. So anyway, uh, we've made those so far with a couple of Intel chips. Uh, I think, um, what is it? I Sandy Bridge E, and then the latest one was um, Ivy Bridge E based. And uh, so these guys remote in, and they have what six cores and twelve threads to be able to leverage on, and they work great for that kind of stuff. They they remote in. They start running their stuff. We put like 64 gigs of memory in there. And 
if we look at our usage graphs over the past year, they've been just maxed out. Hmm. So we bought each one of these machines for, you know, about two grand a piece that I built myself and, and we were able to, to put in production. And now for about the same price, we're getting what about three to four times the hmm. actual performance. Yeah. Um, through that and we're going to get you know double the memory and all these other fun great wonderful things that uh, Threadripper can can give us. I mean the top end for 999, the second for 799 or 759 749. Okay. Uh yeah, just you know it's it's so many cores, so many threads <laughs> yeah. and the way they have created the package and with the, you know, the two regular die and then the two blanks you know it's it's still a hundred and what 80 watt tdp part yep and it's uh you know of course you know tdp is not the same as power draw but they're pretty similar yeah we can go into andy likes to dive into that discussion for sure yeah and uh but what you get and what the single thread performance is because it can boost up to up to four gigahertz um, it covers a huge portion of the performance spectrum that a lot of users who are willing to pay that kind of price would need. Again, if you're gaming, mm-hmm. you know, get a i7 7700K and be happy with that for, I don't know, for how long that's going to be. Sure. Or an 1800X or, or even better yet, save your money and get a 1600X, uh, Ryzen. That's probably one of the best overall performing chips for for the cost but if you can really leverage those threads that's just an insane amount of money that you're saving per thread as compared to the other options out on the marketplace Mm -hmm. um i so i'm gonna i would encourage people to go to the review look up like we have discussions on the platform discussions on temperature Mm -hmm. monitoring discussions on power consumption uh, which we'll, we'll talk about here. But I wanted to show these benchmarks real quick that we did. In other words, to prove that we did the Yuma versus Numa performance comparison. Oh, believe me, we did it. Ken was running all these numbers. Uh, and you can see some of these changes, right? So, you know, if we skip past some of these synthetics and, and look at, you know, like actually Geekbench is an interesting one, right? Yeah. Because single threaded results show that Numa local is about 4% faster. Mm-hmm. But on multi-threaded... Yuma distributed is about 9% faster. And that's kind of the mindset you should be in when thinking about why these two modes exist. Um, but so, you know, look, look at example at um, the Blender benchmarking of Gooseberry, 7% faster in Yuma. X264 encode, 14 and 7% faster based on the uh, the pass. Handbrake, 14%, 14% faster. 14 that's a lot. 14% isn't something to sneeze at. No, that's what I'm saying. And, and that's yeah. and it's and it's these advantages, the 14s, the 7s, uh, there's an 8 here, that kind of overrides some of the advantages you see in the gaming, right? So really, mm-hmm. Civilization Six is a unique one. Uh, it's 8%, but Ashes of the S- Ashes... Uh, of singularity escalation is actually eight percent the other way, but that's yeah. because it's this weirdly super highly threaded game. Engine. I mean, Civ is usually pretty known for it's, using a lot of CPU. It is, but it's more. I think it's more thread base yeah. as well. Uh, and then you know you've got Ghost Recon, Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is four percent faster uh, in in Yuma, but Rise of the Tomb Raider seven percent faster in Numa, right? So it kind of goes back and forth. So these and and if you're only gaming on it, you might keep it in gaming mode. Like if you know you're only going to game for 
the next week. You're not doing any work or on yeah. vacation. You put it in game mode and you're going to get a little bit better performance. But in general, the, the advantages of Yuma out, outweigh the advantages of Numa in my mind. Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. And if you're somebody who's buying a $1,000 part, hopefully you, you, you follow the same mindset. You're not just buying it for gaming. If yeah. you're buying it for gaming first, yeah. you're spending too much money. I, I think if I spent, I don't know, let's say $2,000 on this platform because you have an expensive motherboard, cooler, CPU, all of that stuff, plus well, 2000 bucks plus a graphics card, yeah. we'll say, uh, I would constantly be concerned that I'm not booted in the right ro- right mode to get the optimal performance out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be paranoid like, well, I mean, you know, what if I what if I switched it over? Would it be, you know, a little faster? Because I think the type of person buying a thousand dollar processor is the type of person who would love to get an extra five or ten percent out. They're the sort of right. tweaker for this sort of this target of Threadripper. Be like, oh, yeah, let's see if we can get a little more out of it. Let's overclock a little bit. Let's see right. if we can get a little more out of it. I think That's I fair. would be constantly paranoid that I don't have it in the right mode to get optimal performance. <laughs> May I posit a theory, please? You may. Probably. Okay. I think that there are essentially two type of people who will buy this. Okay. Please explain. You're not <laughs> going to say anything? Okay. Uh, the first is is the person who just thinks that they want the best, and they don't actually do a whole lot of reading and yeah. understand the metrics. Mm-hmm. They just buy the product. They open up their task manager they change the display Whoa. so it, instead of just the the one graph, they can see all 32 graphs, and they play games, and they say, that's really smooth and awesome, and they don't worry about that stuff Correct. Yeah, because they can see how many cores that they're running. And then you've got the other kind who actually knows what they're doing, who reads, who does pay attention to those things, who will open up the little overclock thing to make sure that they're in the correct memory mode for what kind of work that they're mm-hmm. doing. And so this isn't really kind of a win-lose solution situation for, for AMD uh, because of, of just the pricing and the people they're appealing to. It's, it's kind of win-win because those who are not as technically – their technical acumen is, is lacking are still going to see kind of the big picture is look at how many cores mm. that I have and how much memory I can stick in this, and it runs so smooth for me. Yep. Look at all those PCIe lanes. I can shove them full of video cards <laughs> that I may or may not know this SLI or Crossfire enabled. What you shove them happy. into is totally up to everybody individually. I'm not <laughs> – like we're not here to judge you for where you no, shove no, your threads. And nobody should be. Yeah. 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 But then, yeah, you've got the other people who will actually know how to leverage that stuff. Yep. And then the people who don't know stuff and uh, kind of care about their money, they're going to buy something cheaper. Yeah. Uh, gaming performance wise, we tested at 1080p. We tested at 25 by 14 and 4K. So at 1080p, this processor has the same kind of fundamental performance disadvantage that um, the 1800X that, does. that Ryzen 7 yeah. had. Yeah, uh, in that it's just a little bit slower than Intel in those tests. Now, during the Ryzen 7, Ryzen 5 launches, I argue that 1080p performance was still pretty important. I do not agree with that sentiment when we're talking about a thousand dollar CPU. You just shouldn't. The person who's buying a thousand dollar CPU and and has a thousand dollar you know combination of stuff. Even if you tried to make the argument that that someone who buys Threadripper might be 
productivity base, might be doing rendering and stuff. Those are people more likely to have, have high-resolution high res, monitors, yeah. I think. Because if you're doing Premiere, if you're doing Blender, you don't want to be using a 1080p display. Right. You just don't. There's still a performance gap at 1440p, and then at 4K, it kind of levels out, as you expect. We also tested game mode, which is a shortcut profile to enable both legacy compatibility mode and NUMA memory mode. It does both. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, you know, you see a couple of games get a little bit of a performance boost, but otherwise it's pretty close. Um, real quickly, legacy compatibility mode disables half of the cores on each die to mm-hmm. uh, basically there are some games like Far Cry Primal, for one, yeah. which is why there's no score for this in non-game mode that once it sees more than 20 threads, it just doesn't start. It just crashes. So um, it, it's a good fix for that. Uh, we did a mega tasking task. Read that detail there where we did gaming plus rendering at the same time. And the, and the net was um, the AMD system lost a little bit of lost more performance in the Intel system, but at the expense of 10 extra minutes of rendering. The Intel system yeah. took 10 more minutes to render uh, over its and original. Something result. that doesn't necessarily come across in this chart is that in UMA mode, the Thread or system trying to do this was completely unusable. You would never run into yeah, this Yeah, it was mode. stuttery. The game was bad. Yeah. The system was non-responsive. The game was stuttering for five yeah. seconds at a time. Yeah. It's just something you would never do. So I'm going to skip to um, our, our kind of encoding tests as we look at them. So single-threaded performance audacity, not good. But when you look at Handbrake, when you look at X264, when you look at Cinebench, uh, not single-threaded, multi-threaded, <laughs> uh, Pavre, Blender, these are the workloads that are built, that Threadripper is really targeting and built for. Highly multi-threaded, highly scalable. Um, you know, in Cinebench, uh, yeah, multi-threaded, just, it's like 37%. Just take, just take that in. Look at that graph. That's amazing. Yeah. If you need to render 12, by this the processor. 12 core, the 12-core part is still, what do I have? It's 12-core part is 15% faster yeah. as well, yeah. right? So, I mean... And it's two hundred dollars less than Core i nine seventy nine hundred X. So it's it's a significant performance delta there in terms of that performance. Now um, we talked about gaming, talked about where it's useful. It is worth noting power consumption is high. It's a hundred eighty watt yeah. TDP. Um, it's using idle more was, power than the core. Idle was high. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like forty watts higher than the Skylake X part. I um, wonder if they're able to uh, are they, are they able to totally power down one die. I don't in some think of these so. situations, I, I would I would say no based on either the maturity of the firmware or these numbers, right? I don't I don't think yeah the numbers look that. like a, that they're both kind of sitting at a, yeah, at a lower yeah. power state, but they're not. Correct. One's not turned off like potentially it could. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Maybe they well, should ask no, ARM. if you turn off a whole die, you're missing PCIe lanes, you're missing memory controllers. Oh yeah, yeah. so there, there's some Maybe complexity there. Now, overclocking, real quick, we were able to get up to 4 gigahertz at like 1.39 volts, so pretty Across high voltage. all threads. All, all 4 gigahertz, all cores okay. loaded. Because all it can boost loaded. to 4 out of the box, yeah, right? Yeah, for single thread. Okay, now. Um, the result is a 12 to 13% improvement in performance over stock, which is pretty nice. Uh, but it is worth noting that um, it comes at the cost of about 52% more power. Uh, if you look at this graph, like full system power was 268 at stock, 410 when overclocked. You know how they talk about the nice, the nice point of the hockey stick curve? Right. We're way past that with this mm-hmm. scaling. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a reason they set this with a 360-millimeter um, cooler 
Yeah. Sure. I didn't know they made 360 millimeter all at once until we got this. Uh, you can see based on HW info, it says the processor was using 285 watts <clears throat> on its own. That's a lot of watts. We're almost to Vega. Well, look how much, you know, stinking. <laughs> uh, look at how much area the, yeah. the, the top of that, that CPU has that you oh, can yeah. put cooling on. It's kind oh. of impressive. Yeah, that, that you have the potential to put cooling on. Not right now. But. Well, that's that's true. All right. As we as we round up our discussion of this review, um, $999 for the 1950X, $799 for the 1920X. You know, the motherboard we use is $550. Uh, but there are significantly less expensive options out there. I, I a actually, very, very nice motherboard, though, by the way. It's worth noting that we never had a stability issue. We never no. had like a BIOS memory concern. We didn't use the memory that AMD sent. We used Corsair memory that they had sent us. Yeah, that we used for all our CPU testing. The overall experience was way, way better with Threadripper than it was with Ryzen 7. And so they uh, the 7900X, the X299 boards at launch, they're a little yeah, better they, now. At yeah, launch, yeah. they're real rough. Yeah. So AMD deserves credit for that. I, I, I come away with from Threadripper... Maybe not as blown away as I had thought I might have been at one point because the the single threaded performance issues are still there, and in some of the like you know one of the workloads we test with Blender was only eleven percent faster than the Intel seventy nine hundred X, and you keep that in mind, so it's still eleven percent faster for the same price. So that's AMD still wins there, but not by the thirty seven percent that we saw in Cinebench, and it's also worth noting for those people, Josh, that want whatever they can buy. Uh, there's going to be higher priced but higher core count Intel processors soon, right? This is a 10 core Intel processor yeah. we're going against. There's 12, 14, 16, and 18 still yet to come. Which we will on talk about a little later in the podcast, as you can see, right? Of right, your, right, right, right. Oh, you screwed it up the, on me. Of the wallet there. So, yeah. So that's, that's Threadripper. Um, we're going to be talking about this a lot more in the coming weeks. Uh, and obviously, you need to go to PCPro.com and view the full review. Let's get back to the rest of the show. All right, and we're back. Thank you, Ryan and Ken and Josh, for that riveting discussion on Threadripper. Man, they're good. They're those guys really, really, know. really on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a very insightful discussion. Everybody's going to really just enjoy keep them that. Around. They're going to really, they're yeah. going to really like that. Uh, so what? So I can't tell you about on the live stream what the reviews are like, but I can tell you how to install the processor. It's not exactly the most straightforward thing. It is not. <laughs> it's not. I've been done it a couple times um, this week. The. Uh, the processor installation method for Threadripper is very different than anything we've seen in uh, consumer CPUs before. It uses a, a sled. It uses um, two retention brackets. It comes the retail box for Threadripper comes with a um, a lock, which may not be broken by the a torque time you wrench. Get to it. Comes with a torque wrench. Yeah, uh, it's it's super neat packaging. It's, it, it they spent a lot of time on it. They did a really good job. I don't want to belabor this because this has basically been out for a week. So most of the people who are listening to this podcast or watching it uh, have have seen how this works. Um, But other than weighing a third of a pound, other than being about the size of the pancakes that I feed my daughter in the morning, um, it's an impressive piece of hardware. They they do a very good job of presentation with it. With the uh, you know the box includes a adapter, the adapter for the Asetek style coolers. Teeth coolers. Yeah, Sebastian, what's your opinion on the teeth style cooler? Do you like that retention bracket more or less than some of the other designs? I kind of don't enjoy it. I'd say less. I'm with you on that one. 
Although it is convenient that it's just a simple twist to pull it off and switch between AMD and Intel. I give them that. You have to loosen up those bolts first, the screws, right? And then, you, But the idea is you don't have to take the whole bracket off. I, I think the right, bolts... Right, you sort of lift it slightly, yeah. twist, and pull it straight off. Yeah. The bolts have to be so loose for there actually to be any give to get it underneath the teeth that you're essentially taking it off, in my experience. Mm. So I usually just but do at that. Least, I usually at align it. At least with it, the teeth, then, yeah. you can adjust where those hoses come out of. Really easily. That's true. You true. have unlimited yeah. positions yes. or, or many positions yeah. that, that, that they can come out of. That's true. That's true. That's helpful. Um, so you can see in the video here uh, that like you, you actually keep the processor in this plastic sled and then you slide it in. Um, you know, not the first time, of course. Plus it took you several times to you know, actually insert it's it like, correctly. It's like a USB port, to, to, honestly. I mean – Mm-hmm. funny josh but like it is actually very difficult to align it is it <laughs> having done it a couple of times like well i mean your first time yeah yes, exactly you learn the first time the first time we tried it's amazing to stick just it in drop the cpu and then and, and, you know as soon as you touched it so the first time we try to stick it in there you just get exactly it, get it right lined it up it in the hole it's it's not it's not if you don't hear a click something's wrong all over oh, God, his, yeah. his hands and yeah. it was just really messy yeah. and um, if it's the father's Pistol hammer going back. That's the wrong click, and we're talking about the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, indeed. We also do an unboxing if you care about that, like the reviewers kit, because they did a fantastic job presenting the reviewers kit. Um, yeah, like they they sent it in one of these bulletproof looking cases. Like uh, what, what's the, the knockoff pelican no, case. knockoff pelican case? They gave us a, a custom PC perspective etched Ryzen dummy part. Um, the, the, the lights come up behind the plastic housing on the, on the, on the packaging. They did a really good job with this. Um, but now that we've, now that we've already talked about the review, it feels a little empty to be, to be talking about just simple unboxing of these parts, but, uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, so I'm excited about it. I, I was going to, I was just going to ask like Josh and Sebastian what they what they think about Threadripper, but I guess I can't ask them. <laughs> but I can tell you about the package. Yes. They, they don't have opinions. About the package. It's when you when you get it and you open it and you do that, it's an it's an event. I, I, it's not just opening up a little box yeah. and you know you got a little plastic clamshell. You take some out. No, this is this is opening. It's 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 like a flower opening up yeah. to you just personally. I was trying to think of a flower. comparison, and I can't really. I actually like a lot of really expensive luxury goods don't come in ornate boxes. Well, I mean, Intel's thousand dollars seventy nine hundred X comes in a just a box. Yeah. Like it, it's got a design on it. It says the name of the part and everything, but it's just a box. Mm-hmm. The the Third Ripper is a is a presentation. It is a yeah. it is something like that. And whether or not you care about that's going to determine you know is going to base on you. But I think for a lot of consumers that are going to be um, striving to get into that eight hundred thousand dollar processor point, if you're if you're spending much more than you're used to on a system. The impact of something like that is actually super nice to have, right? You f- it feels weighty. It feels not just because it's actually heavy, but it feels like substantial, like you're doing something of, of merit sure. when you install it. But on the, same, on the same side, if you're Josh building a machine to run our simulations, you don't care. Yeah, True. I do. Are you kidding me? Oh. Do you, re- do you realize why I got into hardware reviewing? I yeah, I, I like opening office. this stuff up and testing right it. I meant I meant the royal Josh, not that Josh in particular. Oh well, yes. <laughs> if you're it, IT yes, guy, if you have to install twenty of these over the course of, yeah. uh, then it gets what annoying. What, who was what was that? Ah, all right. Uh, okay. I'm glad it wasn't. I wasn't having a 
epileptic seizure or something. Um, so that's our Threadripper coverage. Uh, check out the review at PCPer.com. It's live now. Not live now, now, but like as you – it's the 10th, guys. It's live on the 10th. Um, let's get into uh, a review. And hey, Nor- we haven't had Sebastian in a while. We talk about his crap all the time. So let's talk about his reviews with Sebastian. Sebastian, tell me about the Bit Phoenix Shogun tempered glass enclosure. The- these are all the rage these days. Yes. Having tempered glass has become actually pretty affordable, so you're finding it on more and more cases. Although I will say the the side panels on this case are the thickest glass I've seen so far. So hmm. they took it to the next level. Is that T-H-I-C-C or what? Yeah. Thick. Okay. That's like, good. Yeah. Thick. Just making sure. <laughs> uh, as you can see from this first photo, uh, it has it's a beautiful interesting... photo. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You can see my uh, uh, living room lamp reflected in it. I, I seriously considered uh, the top left-hand corner. Oh, of the yes. I there. see it there now. Yeah. I okay. seriously considered Photoshopping that out. You know, I'm like, you know what? It's, I'm, I can't. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of interesting because at the bottom there, you have a front-facing double SSD mount okay. with uh, the same RGB lighting as the rest of the case. So huh. kind of an odd kinda, thing, but you I can mean, close to your SSDs. SSDs. I mean, so yeah. SSDs don't generally have like a fantastic looking design, but they're expensive investments for your PC. So you might want to show them off. I can see that. As opposed to having them I, in the back where the rat's nest of cables is. Right. And I found a silver one, so it reflected the light nicely. I, I thought it, it was an interesting effect, but uh, not necessary. And you can True. take the bracket out as well if you don't want it there. This is a, a really big case, too. I mentioned in the review. It's a mid-tower, but mm-hmm. it is the size of some full towers. And what the hell is the difference? A, uh, expansion slots, total room inside the case. Okay. So, like, inside the case itself, once you get everything, like, once you're building, it kind of looks like every other open internal layout mid-tower. Right. Including some other uh, Bit Phoenix cases. The... The main difference is the external appearance of this. You have a top and bottom aluminum sculpted panel. Mm-hmm. And underneath that single piece of aluminum, you have uh, like a metal mesh. It's kind of like uh, what you'd expect to see on like an outdoor speaker is how I described it. Okay. That kind of uh, sturdy metal mesh, which acts as uh, to increase airflow. So kind of interesting idea where you have that scoop that sort of intakes air and expels it. And there's the close-up of the very thick side panel there. The rear side panel is painted black on the inside, so it's not actually clear. So it but it's still glass. reflects light. Yeah, it reflects light and kind of like a mirror on the back, so you don't see any cable mess at all. Do you but like you that? still have the effect of glass on both sides. Mm. Do you like that? Which, mm, I don't know. It's it's a little odd. I understand the, the aesthetic choice for symmetry, but it makes it a lot heavier especially considering how thick the glass is and it makes the case cost more because you're paying for two of these really thick glass panels. So if they were to change anything about the case, I would say just put a metal panel on the back. Gotcha. How resilient is that? Is that paint on that other panel? It seems to be very thick. It's some sort of, um, it's like a laminate instead of a paint. I didn't uh, do a uh, analysis on it on a chemical level. <laughs> Come on, man! Did you do the scratch test? I called it. I called it uh, covered in black paint. Mm, mm. That's fair. So that's as far as I went. I'm fair. sorry. Anything else stand out? So here's. I mean, we can see the the SSD mounts. Yeah. 
there. I will just briefly say uh, there's a couple of interesting things about the inside. One, you can see in these pictures, if you're watching the stream, there are these little kind of soft tray looking things on the right hand side below the hard drive cages. And those are, yep, those are removable. And each one of them is designed to support a longer graphics card. They're padded and they just hold the graphics card up. So when I got done installing my uh, system, I just propped the card up with one of these things, tightened Hmm. it down. They have a slot they can move up and down. And then I had absolutely no sag. So that's a nice feature. (laughs) And then the other thing is uh, this case supports EATX. You have to take out the hard drive cages and you can swap in an additional like um, motherboard Hmm. uh, tray element and expand the case in that Hmm. direction. So there's there's some modularity to the case design as well. Interesting. All right. What's it cost? I believe when I uh, wrote this up, it was selling for one forty nine on Amazon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in that definitely in that premium category over hundred dollars. You're getting the very thick tempered glass side panels. It has Asus Aura uh, integration, so if you oh, have cool. one of those motherboards, it has yeah, uh, you know infinite colors, seven sixteen uh, million colors. I didn't I didn't notice. Um, d- does it have spot for my Blu-ray player? You know what? That's an interesting uh, omission. You know how most cases these days don't really have those five and a quarter inch bays. It has the cutout oh, for the five and a quarter inch oh, bay. But, it's not but it doesn't have nothing the... is behind it. That's, that, <laughs> I hate optical no drives, and that's BS. One. You can mod it. I mean, why? It's there. Why? I don't know why it's there. There's not even space it's for terrible. a fan controller. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Question it's just mark. an aesthetic decision. It just happens to be five and a quarter inches. <laughs> uh, I, yes, it breaks up the monotony of what would otherwise be a solid front panel in a aesthetically pleasing way, reminiscent of the five and a quarter inch drive bays of yesteryear. It's, it's skeuomorphic. It's uh, it's for people who like want to remember the days of optical drives, but are smart enough to realize that they're awful. Right. I wonder if anybody buys this and starts like pressing on it and trying to find like the catch to release i might <laughs> at that point like <laughs> yeah fair enough i wouldn't look at the specs page to see if i had a five and a quarter inch bay if it had that cut out in the front i mean if i were building in it you would know immediately yeah so there's that all right that's cool uh i haven't i we haven't got we won't have any of the tempered glass cases in here actually do we? yeah we do what do we have uh i don't remember there's i, I, I think there's one or two line. back there I think the one Alex is using is tempered glass for the editing machine on the other Son side. Of a, Maybe. A waste. Uh, I think it's Lux, Luxan. Yeah. I, Brian, I, I can hook you up if you need one. Do you have cases? Do you have cases, Sebastian? I have a couple. <laughs> I don't see any in the background and where you're at, though, so it feels a little odd, right? Usually, it's, I'm in a uh, undisclosed location currently. I see. I see. Aboard Away from my cases. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other reviews real quick to touch on. Maury posted a review of the MSI X299 Gaming M7 ACK. <laughs> ACK. Did the sin become, come before this motherboard or? I don't know. I don't know. It's a pretty interesting design. Um, I like kind of the the silver, gray, red, uh, and this kind of like, I don't know, I keep calling it like the claw or something like that, but I don't know <laughs> what they call it actually. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it Suffice. does. Yes, yes. Uh, a lot of capabilities in here. You got killer Wi-Fi, killer networking, uh, a lightning port. Um, what's a lightning port? Well, what does it say, actually? What is that? Lightning USB 3.1 Gen 2. Okay, so wait. 
USB 3.1. But, but they don't mean Thunderbolt. No. Otherwise, they would say Thunderbolt. I assume. So, so when you plug it in, does a guy in a in a wizard costume come by and say lightning bolt, lightning bolt? <laughs> I mean, I, I hope, so. hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, otherwise, what are we even doing here, right? Exactly. Uh, looks like a pretty interesting board. Um, see, like stylized photos just add a whole lot to that, don't they? That's why you need the LEDs. Yeah, that's true. Thank God for RGB, right? What, we, we, need, we need the boards rigged up like they do at trade shows where they just have power connected and they're running the LEDs without a CPU or anything connected. Uh, I mean, There's yeah, some we can easily do that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we can do that. So this is X29, so it's built for Skylake X, so your 7900X or your 7820 or 7740 or whatever platforms you happen to use with that. It looks like they're using... Okay, so that claw actually covers the two M.2 slots. Um, of two different lengths and then you can see they've got the heat sink on them we'll have to check with alan later and see if if those heat sinks if they're hitting the nand that's bad if they're hitting the controller that's good looks so. like there's even a lead for a temp sensor on that heat sink or is that an uh rgb oh that's come on son RGB. it's got to be rgb <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry I was, would you I use was... leads for useful stuff like that that's a nice is that photo on a hinge right oh it's just on a hinge oh okay that's kind of cool that's a good photo Got this. Got the socket there exposed. Got the. That's mm-hmm, some mm-hmm, nice framing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good job, Maury. Good job, Maury. I mean, we could talk about white balance, but let's. let's <laughs> <not>. <laughs> well, he doesn't have his furniture glaring into it, so. Oh yeah, there's no yeah, lamps in that there. picture. No lamps in that picture. Uh, Maury's article goes over the UFI, UFE, <laughs> UEFI, <laughs> the BIOS. It goes over the BIOS. It's not the a BIOS. BIOS. I, whatever it will forever be. Uh, overclocking. It's a BIOS, son. Yeah. Uh, pricing. So this is a $399 motherboard. That's a bit steep. Yeah, it look is. At the, but Ken, look at the armor. Mm-hmm. Look at those armored PCIe slots. Mm-hmm. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not damaging those. Uh, plus, they're probably illuminated. They're, I of mean, they they're definitely illuminated. Uh, but there is no RGB LED configuration via the UEFI and uh, no PCIe by one port to the right of the primary. Wait, what does that say? <laughs> to right of primary <laughs> PCIe slot. To right? To the right. I don't know uh-huh. which perspective he's talking about. What? That's, is he talking about above it? He's yeah. got to be talking about above it. Oh. Right? But, but there isn't room. That's well, a- you can make room if you just push those dim slots out of the way. All right, good point. Yeah, I mean, come on, guys. It's just simple motherboard design. Uh, so check that out. That's the MSI X299 Gaming M7 ACK. ACK, we've got that up there for you. And then uh, also real quick, Lee posted a review of the Corsair HX series, 850-watt platinum power supply uh, from Corsair. Um, they, this is an updated HX series. Uh, they added seven, they have updated the 750, 850,000, and the 1,200-watt power supply i don't know how difficult these are to find with all the mining crap that was going on um but they have uh you know 50c ratings 80 plus platinum efficiency so these are are going to be you know the most efficient is there anything above platinum i don't think so right now titanium titanium is above that okay uh 10 year warranties which is impressive to see um and the 850 model starts at 159 and then the 850i with corsair link is 199 that's part of a pretty much that's kind of a steep add-on um for technology that probably not a whole lot of people are really 
utilizing right now. But is it? Uh, I you said platinum. Is it Ethereum rated? <laughs> I believe that's the higher rating. Oh, you know what? No, um, adamantium is also not part of the standard yet. So there is that. Um, we what are the power supplies we've been using recently? They've been R. They were RM one thousand. So these are these are a little bit more updated than that. Um, the Lee does Lee just go read the review. Uh, it's nice to see reviews of power supplies that are in more reasonable expectation, like wattage ranges, as opposed to a thousand plus. Although the RX Vega liquid cool does have a recommended power supply spec of a thousand watts, according Over, to the Sapphire site. Overclocked RX Vega and an overclocked Threadripper, you're you're wild. You're near way. a thousand watts. <laughs> That's true. Did I just break embargo. No, no, no. It's on Sapphire's website. Oh, okay, yeah. fair play. Yeah. Uh, so check out uh, the review. It is a fully modular case. You can switch to between single and multiple twelve volt rails on it. Um, That's Lee, neat. Yeah, I don't think I ever need to, but yeah, I mean, you know, sure. Yeah, oops, scale there. Um, it did get a gold award as well, with the only weakness being no dedicated PCIe connectors on a single cable. Um, so looks like they're all split in that regard. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all the uh, the dual connector style, I guess, which saves space in the back of the power supply, but does make it a little bit more pain uh, as you're building your machine. So there you go. That's the Corsair HX power supply. All right, let's get into some news items that occurred. Uh, AMD, obviously the big had the big news of the day with the Threadripper release and the, the reviews and all that 16 core processors, flagship performance, highest core count for a consumer part. Um, Intel kind of knowing this was coming decided this week to release the rest of the specifications for their core I nine series of parts. They'd already told us what the parts were going to be like the names and the prices, but they hadn't told us clock speeds and I'm guessing they hadn't actually determined clock speeds yet. <laughs> uh, so now we know the clock speeds, right? So we didn't know anything above the ten core. Um, now we know all the way up to all the way up to eighteen cores. They're going to have Turbo Boost Max three speeds of four point four gigahertz, meaning that one or two cores, if if that's all you're really loading down the system at any given time, will be able to hit clock speeds as high as four point four gigahertz. Um, that does that's obviously higher than the Threadripper parts that were four gigahertz or that are four gigahertz rather. Um, now, if you look at the base clock, the 18 core is down to 2.6 and the 16 core is down to 2.8 gigahertz. Those are actually pretty low. And depending on how aggressive Intel can get with power consumption and TDPs and all that type of stuff, if you look across at the Threadripper 1950X and 1920X, and even, you know, well, the 1900X doesn't really count in this regard, but like those have four or 500, or no, actually they have 800 uh, megahertz improvements over the 18 core Intel part and, you know, six to 800 megahertz faster over the 16 core part. So it does create like this really interesting topic of discussion until we get parts in our hand about how that scaling will actually work in terms of benchmarks, software, actual performance metrics that we can, that we can look at. Um, Got memory here. That's all quad channel PCIe lanes. So uh, nothing over 44 lanes for the consumer parts. Um, the TDPs do jump from 140 to 165 as we get higher. But as we talked about earlier with the Threadripper parts, uh, they're using a lot of power. So not a, a super big concern there. But pricing, obviously, 
the bottleneck for Intel at this point, right? So their 12 core processor is going to be 1199, 14 cores for 1399, 16 cores for 1699, and 18 cores for 1999. Uh, so that is both a lot of pricing. cores and a lot of money at the same time. It is a lot of dollars per cores. Um, yeah, there is that. That's true. Uh, so it, it I don't know. Any, any thoughts on 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 what this will mean now that we know the clock speeds? They did announce also the availability. So the 12 core will launch on August 28th, while the 14, 16, and 18 core parts will launch on September 25th. So we have sooner than we thought. Yeah, I was thinking more November, late December. October time frame mm-hmm. at the at the earliest. So they they either they either bumped it up because of Threadripper or just because. So any thoughts on these? Competition's a wonderful thing. It is. It is. I wish they would like suddenly lower prices as well, but you know, they it was I, always, I did think it was odd that when they first launched Skylake X, they announced pricing for the whole family across the board already, right? Yeah. And that was back in like May. Yeah. Well, Copytex time frame, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. So, very end of May. Uh as opposed to waiting and seeing what AMD was going to do. They didn't they didn't do that. So, I don't know if if they regret that decision or not, but they got moles in AMD. Yeah, I mean, probably. They know what they're doing before them. Everybody knows what everybody's doing. Yeah. Sebastian, you ready for a $2,000 uh, Skylake X part? Uh, absolutely, as long as you're providing it. Okay, well, moving on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it, does seem, it does seem a little high, considering... What else is out there? I'm actually, I'm actually just curious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if I look at, okay, I don't know what that app was. Uh, what is the cost per core, right? So the 18 core is $111 per core, while the 12 core is $100 per core, right? So it's what not that off. far off. It should be getting cheaper as yet. And then the right? 1400 for the 14-core, yeah. So once you get to the 16-core, you're paying a little bit more. So it's 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 not it's not as different as I thought it was going to be, I guess. Um, whereas, obviously, if you just look at cost per core, AMD has the advantage, but IPC clock speeds, there's a whole lot of other uh, stuff that goes into that decision. So I'm very curious to see what this will turn into at the late summer, early fall. Uh, Have we hit ten cents per core yet? Uh, no, quite. Quite far from that, apparently. I mean, maybe if we get down to some of the ARM parts, we can maybe have that discussion. You know, maybe stuff that goes into a like a calculator or something. There's M zeros. Yeah, maybe. Could ask our buddies at ARM if we could just get a license for one and for ten cents. <laughs> Never actually build it, but all right. Uh, so that's the upcoming Skylake X Core X Core i nine updates, uh, and then we also had. Well, I thought we were going to talk about only rumors about this, but then Intel made an announcement of a pending announcement, which is all the rage now. <laughs> uh, Sebastian, what did what did they what are they telling us here uh, for the Eclipse Day? That the eighth generation is coming. They they are announcing the announcement is upcoming. Uh, that you don't have to be left in the dark. Mm-hmm, no pun intended. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. During the uh, eclipse. There's a Facebook live stream, so you can you can view it from Facebook on their Intel Facebook page, Ugh. and they they have I reprinted their eight point bullet list of the things they're going to be discussing 
on the stream. But as we just went over, they've already released details about clock speeds, core counts. No, 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 et cetera. The, but so. the eighth gen is different. Eighth gen. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So eighth gen will be. Pardon me. Their. Um, this is gonna be their next mobile. This is Coffee Lake. We're talking about Coffee Lake now. Uh, I don't. We're talking about eighth gen. Yeah, I don't want to say that yet. There, there are weird conflicting know. roadmap leaks. Yeah, there's that stuff. There are rumors that this Coffee Lake is rumors that it's another version of Cabby Lake on um, the mobile side, and then it's definitely. I mean, if you look at this picture, it's a laptop. So. What? No. Yeah. Sorry to tell you guys. It's a laptop uh, right here. You see the keyboard and then the laptop. I thought it was Mothman. It kind of does look like that. I was trying to figure out what else they were going for, and I can't figure it out. Kind of like Dead Mouse. I'm very confused because I pulled up the wrong article that I wrote. Oh, okay. Where yeah, I was yeah, covering yeah. rumors about something called Coffee Lake. You got to do this in order, man. We're in order. And Yes, I hit the wrong link. I apologize. <laughs> I was confused because the author was the same, and yet he has no idea what he's talking about. Who? What author would that be? Uh, Josh Walrath. Hold mm. on, let me hold on. Mm-hmm. Mm. I. Mm. There must be an error in the system. I'll have mm. to let the devs know. Yeah, you should. You should get on that. Yeah. All right. Um. So the the eighth gen announcement is basically a mobile part. Um, what else do they talk about? They talk about Don't Get Left in the Dark, uh, HN for VR Creator, something, something, something. The most uh, important part is that it, it will be over before the eclipse starts. <laughs> I, was, I was a little confused about this when I saw this announcement. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everybody's been talking about this. This is national news. There's going to be this nationwide eclipse, and you're going to hold your live stream. I'm not going to be – guys, I'm at my computer. You enjoy the eclipse. I'm watching. They're gonna point a camera at the sun so you get the same effect. (laughs) True. (laughs) They're streaming on Facebook Live. They have. They're in the totality ring, so they're gonna do us all a favor and stream it over Facebook. That's true. That's true. They can do that. Isn't that amazing? I'm nearly in the totality ring. In fact, two hours north. I'm there taking the kids. Yeah, we're about like three hours to get to Bowling Green. Yeah. Yeah. Here. I mean, you're not that special. That's what I'm saying. I am special. Oh, okay. I mean, what? Okay. We, I mean, let's not dive into it anymore. Um, <laughs> Gosh, you're special to me. So yeah, I don't. Thanks. I've actually, I've actually had to decline two different like product briefings that were occurring during the eclipse. It's like, no, guys, at one one p.m. Eastern. No, I don't think I'm going to take that phone call. How about you know, ten a.m. or two? four p.m. It lasts for an hour and a half yeah, from beginning to end. So I think totality is like one forty-five, maybe. I mean, it depends on where you're at. I think you're looking at Central Time, which is where you're going to drive to. Yep. Yeah. So to something here. Ah. Um. So there you go. If you want to, like August 21st, we're going to know about the eighth generation for mobile. And the only thing they mention is purchase um, in the holiday season and quote even before. That's a bad phrasing on that. Yeah. Or to purchase in the holiday season and even before. Then just say before a holiday even season before. Yeah. yeah. It's- and what holiday? I mean, it could be. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's but, true. St. Patrick's Maybe they've Day. got a uh, an exclusive, just like AMD and Threadripper. Most everybody can get it in the holiday season, but if you want it before, you got to get with Dell and Alienware. Well, I imagine it's not Dell and Alienware for this one, but mm-hmm. um, Alienware thirteen. Let's look at that second story, Sebastian, that this other guy wrote. This is the one I wrote. Oh, oh, the other, okay. The other one was not okay. Yeah, so tell me about this. What are the, the what up. are the coffee Sorry, lake Josh. rumors? And this might be confusing because if the rumors are right, 
they're calling this eighth generation, which is a different architecture, whereas eighth generation on the mobile side might not be. I don't know. Maybe it could just be a rebranding on the mobile side. We don't really know. We don't know anything about it. We That's know they're, they're going to be doing an announcement live All right. on the 21st. So what's this one? So these, and you know, you can't trust every single rumor, of course. There have been several of these swirling around. I reproduced a chart in this post that was published by WCCF Tech, and there's a slight um, disparity between what's in the chart and what they actually published in the article as far as clock speeds, for example, with the i7. But essentially, the big news from this was not that there will be a new flagship i7 desktop part, because of mm-hmm. course there will be. And it'll be an 8700K, we assume, if there's been a 77 and a 67 and so on. But the the change is core counts across the board, it looks mm. like. So with the core i7 part, it will uh, the rumor is that it will be moving to six cores, 12 threads instead of four cores, eight threads. Mm. Uh, you lose a little bit of base clock speed. The uh, boost clocks remain high. Uh, yeah, 4.7 on the, on the 8700K. It says 4.7 in the article. It says that it maxes out at 4.3. So I don't know which one is That's accurate. That's a big difference. Well, so on the, on the table, if it's true, boost clock max would be maximum for single-threaded. And then 4.3 is boost clock six-core, which would be yeah. how high it could go fully threaded for some unknown amount of time. So 4.7 still... I mean, that's 200 megahertz higher than the 7700K, I think, right? I don't know. Yes, I mean, the boost clock is 4.5 I mean, hold on, on. It's, it's literally two columns over the table. It's so very yes. small from here. <laughs> you need a bigger the, monitor. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. But the, the to me, the bigger story was that there will be, or according to this, there will be six core, well, without SMT, no hyper-threading, mm-hmm. core i5s, and okay. then all of the i3s mentioned are four cores. I don't understand why they're yeah, they don't have hyper. They don't have hyper threading thread. though. It's going to be four core four threads. I, yeah, I, I can't imagine they would do a four core eight thread i3 when the, the i5 is single. Although you know, current i3 like the sixty one hundred, it's a hyper. Yeah, but those are only part. two cores four threads versus you know i5s four cores four threads i mean it's still a significant difference in in performance and yeah there's no way they're they're going to be four and eight with an i3 you don't think so intel don't do they don't they don't go that way what what do you mean especially when you got an i5 six cores six threads well i i I would i would i would wager that the six true cores would be faster than eight threads right that then eight than four but it's not going to be that much faster uh yeah i mean i guess look at your look at your base clocks sure yeah boost clocks core i3s don't at least according to this table won't have like turbo boost still um yeah i'd be interested to see what their decision is like so amd is putting a lot of pressure on them um with the ryzen 3 being quad core four thread and the ryzen 5 being quad core eight thread so it is it is kind of an interesting place because you know in theory the core i5 of this revision would be faster if they just did quad core hyper threaded mm-hmm. right but according to this they're doing 6 and 6 as opposed to 4 and 8 um at the core i7 line you know the interesting thing from from AMD standpoint was that the Ryzen 7 kind of split the difference between core i7 mainstream and core i7 HEDT 
Uh, so the six core kind of goes after some of that, some of that area as well. So I, I'll be curious to see what this plans out. Did they, did they talk about timing at all in, in this story? I didn't see anything about timing and I didn't see anything specific. I haven't done a lot of extra research. I didn't see anything specific about rumors about pricing. The only thing that kind of struck me was that TDPs appear to be unchanged, which doesn't surprise me, but yeah. kind of, I guess on that side of it, if you're looking at price performance, I think Ryzen will still be ahead even after this, Yep. but it's hard to argue with something that would potentially be six cores at 65 watts. <laughs> Yeah, considering uh, part of our Threadripper discussion centered around like, hey, 7700K at quad-core, hyper-threaded, high clock speeds is still really, really, really good for gaming stuff. Like, adding more frequency and more cores to that. Um, it's probably still going to be good. Probably still going to be really good at it, right? Yeah, in a couple of months if, if this comes to pass. So, um, interesting to see when this when this gets released. Is this a early 2018 part? Like, is this a CES launch? Is this mm. before that? I don't know. Yeah. I'll be curious. So, interesting stuff. Good job for whoever was the author of that story. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know who it was. Uh, we don't have Jeremy here, so I really have no idea what the story is about now. But uh, somebody built a remote starter for their PC. Uh, did you say you understood what this was about, Ken? A little bit. What, is, what am I looking at? Uh, it there's, is... some, there's, some, there's some pieces on this picture. I know yeah. what those are. I see but... some resistors. Yeah. I'm I'll resisting. Do. Hashtag. Uh, I mean... Resist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not funny. <laughs> Go ahead, Ken. Uh, essentially, uh, over at Tech Report, they wanted a way to remotely turn their home theater PC on because it was behind a wall. Okay. So they essentially took one of these ESP8266 Wi Fi microcontrollers, which are very popular right now. It's you can get a board with them with one of them on it, like a deaf board for five bucks. Okay. So you can do simple things over Wi Fi and essentially they're just kind of what I understand, bridging the onboard header of the motherboard to be able to turn the PC on and off remotely. Hmm. It's kind of a cool little project. It would be a good intro to working with microcontrollers and stuff like that. Interesting. Why don't you just solder a really long cable? <laughs> And poke it, poke it through the wall? Where's the fun in that? Internet of Things, man. Uh, I don't have an answer for that question. Or just leave it on in a low-power state and wake on LAN or something. I, I don't have know if I've ever gotten wake, wake on, on LAN. Yeah, I was gonna say, it doesn't I've work really all that well. To work. Or it wakes it up when it's wake on USB to. and you just have a mouse. Plunge <laughs> <laughs> wall with the Look, cable going through it. This guy wanted to solder. Click the mouse, baby. The guy wanted to solder. You he had a no breadboard. He wanted to do stuff. There you go. End of story. Very neatly done, I will say. Yeah. Good job. Some people still make things, Josh. Yeah, this is a really long story for... Uh, yeah. For just they go into the that. science of how wireless technology works. And- Ugh, how many pages I got left? Okay. <laughs> if you make a cable, it's just one page. You can't get ad impressions for that. Yeah, I don't think that's the reasoning for it. But that hey. is not a that is not a new case. I'm telling <laughs> no. you right now. No. I still gotta say hooked in. That's like one of those cheap tech and case? tech. I've had so many of those. Got front USB though, dog. Yeah. Oh, and a Carter. USB one point one, baby. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. All right. Uh, and what else we have? We have. Uh, I, I guess this is was this new information that Andy was going to sell the Wraith 
Max CPU cooler separately from oh, the. I thought they already were, to be honest. Yeah, but I guess not. So no, I think I got all... corrected on Twitter that there was there's the Wraith, um, Wraith Spire, Spire, and then there's one below that. I think is what was shipping with the Ray with the Ryzen threes. I think somebody was correcting me on yeah, that. Yes, the Wraith POS. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's, it means point of sale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. No, I get it. Yeah. No, the Wraith the uh, Wraith Max. Yeah, the Wraith Max is, is a nice cooler. We've used it for a couple things around the office. It, Plus, it's got an RGB yeah, ring. Yeah, I don't think the RGB is RGB controllable. Yeah, motherboard software. So I guess only if you have a an AMD platform. Well, well, you wouldn't a, be able to mount question. it to anything else, but if you have an AM3 no, platform, it wouldn't work. Like, is the standard Wraith software upgradable to a Wraith Max with an uh, in-app purchase? And if not, why not? I don't know. Oh, but I don't know the answer to that. So there are there are four. There's Wraith Stealth, Wraith Spire, Spire with RGB, and then Wraith Max. Oh, okay, so the Stealth is RGB what was shipping... Existed. The Wraith Stealth is what ships with the Ryzen threes in the box. It's still a, a plenty good, a plenty good part. Uh, no complaints there from us. Uh, but there is a Spire, Spire RGB, and then the Wraith Max. What are um, the, the which s- it's it's a, I think sixty bucks for this cooler. Yeah, you shouldn't buy that. I mean, it's okay. You can buy. A, uh, wait, did did Josh? Did you or Sebastian? Did you guys actually test this at some point? Not this one. I tested the no? original. Wraith. Do you know That's how many which Evo one of the FX you can buy? Two twelve Evos. You could buy for at least two, two for that. The price. answer is two. Two. And you could buy one and an RGB strip. Three and there sale. you go. Josh, how many RGB strips does the uh, two twelve Evo have? I'll take your answer offline. <laughs> <laughs> answer is zero. Break out the soldering iron. There you go. Yeah. Checkmate. You know, people actually make things. Ken. Ah, <laughs> oh, touche. Uh, this is a the Wraith Max is rated 140 watts. So that would would they would they let no that the Threadripper is 180, so it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't okay. mount also. Well, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> it, it, people still make things, Ken. You could probably strap that down if you really needed to in an emergency <laughs> situation. You might be able to strap it on actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh god, zip no. ties. Just hold it in place wanna, yeah. over the CPU yeah, if it's just, that big of just, an emergency. Just, yeah, yeah. You're not allowed Sometimes to peg the CPU. Sometimes you can't replace the human touch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. Is this thing uh, over yet? It's close. It's close. Look at the <laughs> left-hand side of the screen. It's close. Uh, the better cooling is to apply more pressure. <laughs> it's mostly like bleeding. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> oh, why? Uh, one last bit up here. Let's see. Announced a 96 terabyte NAS. 12 bay NAS. Only 96 terabytes. Available in 48, 72, 96, and 120 terabyte varieties. So I don't know why Jeremy maxed out the story at 96. Uh, all having a dozen three and a half inch bays for your drives. Um, as you can see in the photo, it's not exactly a small thing. It actually looks like a freestanding rack mount server. Um, oh, it's not that big. No, no, but I mean, if you didn't know the scale of the trays that are coming out, you thought those were U, <laughs> oh, U- mount yeah. servers. Um, apparently kit guru did a review of this measure speed of 2.2 gigabytes per second for raid zero and for raid five. Um, Thunderbolt three. Yeah. I mean, huh. you got to at that point, right? So yeah. it's gotta be up there. Uh, cost on- wise, 8,300 pounds. So that's like what? That's very heavy. Is that like $6? Mm-hmm. Is that like $12? Mm-hmm. 
don't know. So it's like, what is that really? Five grand or something like that? Four thousand, five thousand dollars. Eighty three hundred pounds. Yeah, that's 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 like sixteen thousand. What did I go the wrong way? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. The pound is not that much higher than the dollar right now. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a buck ten a pound. Okay, so it yeah, you're looking about nine grand. Thousand seven hundred ninety U.S. dollars. Seven hundred eighty-eight. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, I would buy. Uh, I would, spoiler, I would not buy spoiler that. alert: We are building a hundred twenty-eight terabyte network storage device for significantly cheaper than that in this office. Stay tuned. It doesn't look that cool. We haven't built it it's got yet. That How blue, do you know what it looks it's like? It's got that blue eye in the upper hand corner that makes it look like it's an AI keeping track of us. That, that's worth at least two grand. At least. At least. All right, everybody. That's going to uh, wrap up the news part. Let's get into our hardware software picks of the week. Uh, mine is going to be this guy right here. The ThinkPad X1 Carbon 5th Gen uh, that actually has a 7th Gen processor in it so they should maybe think about readjusting that um it's it's a laptop i've been using for the last couple of weeks um after being kind of tired with the results of my dell xps 13 that battery died and tried to do replacement it just didn't work out the battery life didn't the battery didn't die it just is significantly lower battery life than it used to have so it's nice to go back to one where like if i leave the charger here at the office and i'm going to go home for a few hours and come back the next morning it's fine Right, I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about that, and apparently I can lay it. Hey, flat, there we are. So. Hey, it's us. Look, and look, you're about ready to bend the, the thing back. Inception. Um, it's it's an expensive device. I guess it says it's starting at eleven oh one, but you know the, it's, the X one has always been more yeah. expensive than the. So you can see here these build out starts eleven hundred, twelve fifty, and then nineteen fifty six <laughs> all of a sudden. Uh, and the difference is you're getting you're getting the i seven processor, um, and you also what don't you get double the memory, terabyte one SSD. terabyte SSD that's, in it. That's the big one. It's okay. Uh, fifty seven watt hour battery, so not a, a huge battery. It's still a very thin device. Um, it's still very light. Um, it's not a touch screen. It's 1080p, which is actually all of those things are what I wanted. I don't want it to be. Um, super reflective. I don't want it to have the extra weight of the touchscreen interface. Um, I, I have, was surprised at how much I enjoyed going back to a Lenovo keyboard. Like a, a Lenovo keyboard for typing yeah. is uh, still, still kind of unrivaled in that regard. So if you're in the market to buy, it's worth looking yeah. at. Um, Lenovo Outlet's nice. These machines have been out for a while, so you might be able to find something. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Even when I was looking at the new XPS 13s, we we're looking at the Dell outlet for that as well. Mm-hmm. So something we're keeping in mind. Have it, it's, so this is a this is the Core i5 variant, I yes. think, right? Yes. yes. So it's, even the i7 is still two core, four thread, you know, eight gigs, 256 gig SSD, plenty for what for what my purposes are. Except my Dropbox is now a little yeah. bit bigger than it needs to be. But two Thunderbolt three ports, which is nice because you can yeah. charge and do stuff at the same time. Yep, two Thunderbolt three. It's still got two full size USB three full size HDMI, and then that weird networking dongle yeah. port or whatever it is. So uh, nice. I, one thing I would like to see on this that uh, like the Surface has, the Surface Pro, is the Windows Hello. I've come to really appreciate that login option on my PC I, and on that. Laptop, I have to so. imagine that a lot of corporate policy wouldn't allow it, so they just don't even bother. Really. Facial recognition for security because it has a fingerprint sensor and it works like every third time. So yeah, you know it's the the such as life. Uh, all right, so who do we got next on this list? Who do you think? Not Jeremy. Must be Not Josh. Jeremy. All right, what do you got, buddy? 
Yeah, this one came out there. yesterday. Hellblade. Senua's, uh, what is it? Senua's oh. dead. Mm, I remember the Sacrifice. Demo. Yeah. You know, I've, I've watched some of the uh, developer blogs on, on these things, and the amount of technology they put together to make this was really impressive. And it's only 30 bucks. It's only, you know, seven to 10 hours worth of play. I don't know about replayability, but, uh, it's a it's a small group. It's like twenty or thirty people who worked on this, and they essentially made a triple A title. Um, they they implemented a lot of really advanced technology to do this. It it looks pretty fantastic. It apparently has a great story. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's the demo it Ken looks and like I saw was part of the facial capture, like they did. Yeah. They did. Yeah, well, the, live the gal actor had cap- the lights around her face yeah. and the cameras, and and they followed her eyes and yeah. the mouth really well, and and facial features. It was pretty amazing. Impressive. I'm going to buy this just so I can yeah. see some so, of that tech at work. Interestingly enough, Brian and I listened to the bomb, the giant bombcast, and they started talking about this game this week, and I hadn't, I didn't remember the name of the title versus the game that we saw at GDC two years ago. So I was thinking like. Oh, this indie game, like I was thinking, like, you know, more simplistic graphics, like maybe a 2D game or something like this, and it's this. So now I'm super excited, like a really good-looking game, and they were talking about how, like, the story and the gameplay are pretty might, cool. Might have a new AMD video card to test it on. Yeah, play maybe. With it on. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, they, uh, I think uh, Jacob was talking to me. There's no single video card that can get close to 60 frames per second at 4K with this. Good. Good. There you have it. Good. This is from the makers of Heavenly Sword, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, and Devil May Cry. Or no, I'm sorry. And DMC colon Devil May Cry. Yeah. Huh. Comes a warrior's brutal journey into myth and madness. Very yeah, cool. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it's built on the Unreal Engine. They were. Yeah. You know, as as are most things these days, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess what you need to do is you play it in a dark room and you have headphones because it's got. Oh, really, right. really good spatial audio. Like, hmm. absolutely amazing, apparently. Wait, 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 wait. Headphones, you say? Headphones. Ken. Unless you got a good 5.1 system with rear surrounds. Maybe, maybe headphones talking. like these? Ken, what these is headphones? your pick of the week? Uh, so, my pick of the week are these headphones. Uh, Sony MDR-1000X slash B. Yeah. So, I was going on a trip back in May along along plane ride or over the Atlantic, and I wanted to get some noise-canceling headphones. So it was like the day before, I just wanted them. I, I decided it at last minute. I went into Best Buy, and I was like, please, kind sir, point me to your Bose Quiet Comfort Bluetooth headphones. Because mm-hmm. I have an iPhone 7 without a headphone jack, whole other thing. You know. But <laughs> right. I figure, noise-canceling headphones, Bose, okay, there we go. And the salesman, actually very helpful, went, oh, no. okay, they're, they're over here, but have you, have you seen the Sonys? Go no, like I mean, I've never heard of Sony making noise canceling headphones, and they actually had a demo station set up. So I sat there and, and tried both the Sony and the Bose for a while, and I ended up getting the Sony's. Uh, they do a couple cool things. They have the ability to mix in ambient sound. So if you're wearing the headphones and you put your hand, you hold your hand on the right ear cup, which is touch sensitive, it will instantly cut in audio it hears through the mic. Mm-hmm. So if you're on a plane and you see this, the flight attendant coming towards you for a drink order or something like that, you just put your hand over the, the <laughs> ear. You look <laughs> kind of stupid, but Do you, you go hear. like this? Do you go, Roger, what's that? Come in, please. You pretty much feel like that okay. the entire All time. Right. Just making sure. So that's that cool. That makes it better in my book. And then they also have settings where you can 
just mix in like two different levels of ambient noise all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'll be wearing I wear them around the office and I turn off the noise canceling feature and since they sail pretty well, I'll turn on ambient noise so I can hear if you're trying to get my attention or something like that. So I have Bluetooth headphones I can walk around the office in and they sound pretty nice. I think they sound a little better than the Bose stuff, a little more. Is there a wired option for them or are they only yeah, wireless? They have a they have a three and a half inch Okay. Third, okay. Or three and a half millimeter jack as well. Three and a half inch. Yeah, three and a half inch jack. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things that Hugh would probably like. You know, he, he wants to talk to somebody. He hits the, it's the side of his. Yeah. Uh, Hello. Exactly. Colonel Shepard. Colonel Shepard. Roger Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. And so they charge through micro USB. Uh, they're a very expensive retail. So when you I bought link them, to the certified refurb yeah. on Amazon, when I bought them at Best Buy, they were $400 and Hey, guess what? I had the plan to just return them after my flight. Cause I wasn't buying a $400 pair of headphones and keeping them. That's, that's, that's too bougie for me. Uh, so right now on Amazon <laughs> new, they're like three twenty eight, okay. which is a little better, but you can do what I did and buy the certified refurbished ones, which are two sixty on Prime right now, mm. and I think that's about what I paid for them back. You in know, I, I bought a pair of JVC ones with a AAA battery that worked pretty well for twenty nine bucks. Yeah, yeah, cool. Thanks, Josh. I will say I've been impressed with Welcome. Sony's noise canceling headphones for yeah. years, and even their cheap ones, which I looked up, are the ZX one tens. The only problem with them is they don't seal really well against the ear, mm-hmm. but the noise cancellation from a and it uses a single AAA battery like Josh's JVCs mm. works extremely well at blocking out the background hum and a lot of the ambient noise, but you can still hear like um, the sounds that are not constant. You'll still hear like somebody talking to you or something. Right. Doesn't block that stuff out, but as they go up the line with the Sony's and the the cups get bigger, the seal is better, then it's just that much better. But Sony actually a very good brand for noise-canceling headphones. Yeah. I was very surprised to see how they kind of nailed the noise-canceling tech when, again, like you think of Bose as being the only game in town for higher-end noise-canceling stuff. All right, Sebastian. Uh, your pick. Well, uh, uh, now that I look at it, apparently you can't buy this, so it's not a good pick. <laughs> Because <laughs> everywhere I'm looking, it's like out of stock. Yeah, um, it lets me add it to the cart, but it's also out of stock. It does say temporarily out of stock. Order now, we'll deliver. So temporarily available. out of stock. Yeah, but uh, it's the it's the replica of the original uh, USS Enterprise 1701A featured in PC Perspective Podcast 462. <laughs> uh, there's there's PC per podcast battle damage and uh, some special decal yeah. work that was can, done just for this podcast. You can now sell that as a screen use prop. Uh, the list yes. of sound quotes include such uh, magical quotes as "on screen magnify." Let's see if I get it can right. Here, my friends, we've come home. What's the matter, Jim? I miss my old chair. See, it's got well, all sorts of sound talking. Those who say those quotes aren't actually on this on this page, so there's that. So it's just you know, it's a subset thereof. Sixty dollars for that. Do you feel like you get your money's worth? <laughs> Uh, I do because I don't want to build a model myself. I've always been <laughs> terrible at that. And then you look into like the lighting kits for models. Yeah, and I love the uh, movie version of the classic Enterprise, the refit, and this one. And the nicest feature about this is if you hold down the bridge button, it just has us like an always on lighting oh, yeah. mode. Hey, show them, show them the light on that. Let's see. So for Flip presentation purposes, 
Let me do it again. It only lasts for a few seconds. I'm not sure why there's not a constant on. There should be. But let me see if I can center this here. You know, it always made me mad when I watched, you know, the original uh, uh, Star Trek movie mm-hmm. that had the best warp core effect with the watery kind of plasma glow. And then you had Star Trek The Next Generation where it's just neon rods. I hated that. It was so cheesy. They just stretched it. They did that stretch effect. Me going to warp. I don't know what's going on. No, I'm either. talking the warp core itself. You know, when it's... Anyway. Well, oh, I see well, what you're saying. Yeah, well, I liked it when it glowed in Next Generation. They're just it was, neon it was a good effect. strips. It, grow, it glows crap. really bright, and then the ship takes off. Yeah, but plasma is like it's water, man. Well, it's not. It's plasma because it's plasma. It's not neon strips. <clears throat> Josh, speak to the hand. It's, it's it's suspension of disbelief. Just roll with uh, it. Josh, let me st- consult my uh, Star Trek The Next Generation technical manual, and I'll get back to you on the exact <laughs> rationale behind the change. Yeah, uh, I did have sure. one more pick. Uh, it came from Alan. It came in late. Uh, his recommendation was any kind of fire extinguisher that you might have, maybe yeah. one that's portable. Probably can't take fire extinguishers on planes with you, probably <laughs> necessarily, but it would have been useful at the Flash Memory Summit where uh, – or you can get the – fire extinguishing aerosol spray pack of two there you go that's something you might just ship it ahead right right apparently what what was it the booth that wasn't seagate it was inno something inno disc yeah booth caught fire overnight and so they never opened the exhibit the exhibit hall at flash memory (laughs) so can't wait to see some of the fallout from that that'll be interesting you know just burning pcbs that's fine right yeah apparently no, there, no was, toxic there was no more fire but there was a lot of toxicity concerns of uh how lead free exactly are your <laughs> products so there you go all right um so that's going to be it for the episode today guys pcper.com slash podcast go there find our links to youtube videos rss files uh, show notes with links to all the stories we talked about, including the Threadripper story that will be up now by the time you're listening to this, sure, except for the live people, the, the, the many hundreds of you that are on there now. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, and otherwise, we will uh, come back and we'll see you next week for another riveting episode with more AMD hardware to talk about. Uh, so we'll see you next time, guys. Bye. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.